What, what would you say you do here? Well, look, I already told you. I deal with the goddamn customers so the engineers don't have to. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. Can't you understand that? What the hell is wrong with you people? Welcome back, everyone. This is uh, Neo, and this is going to be episode 40 of Gundam at MHQ. And tonight, uh, we'll be joined with uh, Solbro and Chris. How are you guys doing? All right. And tonight's episode, we're going to have two topics. Uh, the first one's going to be the continuation of Macross Roundup. Uh, in this one, we're going to cover uh, Macross Do You Remember Love and Macross Flashback 2012. Uh, we're going to cover them both together because... You know they're they're pretty short, um, pretty short little OVAs. And our last segment, we'll only be doing two uh, this episode. Uh, we're going to be joined by a friend of ours named Masugi from the Anime's Addicts Anonymous podcast, and uh, we'll get you their information at the end of the show to go check those guys out. And we're actually going to do something a little bit differently, um, maybe not as mecha related as some of our normal uh, topics, but this one we're going to identify and we're going to talk about the correlation of uh, horror and in a lot of the sci-fi animes and some examples out there and kind of just talking about how the whole kind of horror factor in general is going into a lot of media, uh, written, uh, video, etc. So, uh, But before we start, we have to have the most important segment of Gundam at MHQ, Neo's News. And I guess some listeners submitted news articles here. And the first one here is going to be uh, given to us from a poster, Sky Knight. And this is some sad news, and this is, I'm sure a lot of people know about this. Uh, it was reported on the Anime News Network that there was a body found around September 12th of, um, you know, around mid-September in Japan. Actually, it ended up being the missing uh, Crayon Shin-Chan creator, Yushito Use. And basically, from what it sounds like, he uh, does some morning hikes, and unfortunately, something happened, and he fell down a mountain. So um, definitely a, a very sad thing to happen there, and we wish uh, his family well. And we're just kind of wondering what that's going to do with the old Shin-Chan series, because I could say it's one, one of my favorites, I'm yeah. sure. Solbro and Chris would agree with me on that. It's a very funny show that um, whenever they show it on Adult Swim. One of the highlights of the lineup. Definitely, definitely. But I just want to thank Sky Knight for that. But we have some more news, and it's not depressing. What? And this is coming off the CosmicEra.com blog, and this is from Armoro Ray of V. And during the uh, Gundam 00 Next Mission event that was held at the Gundam Big Expo, some of the uh, information about the new suits and and the uh, movie have been released. And there's going to be uh, four for all four Meisters. The first one's going to be the Double O Quantra. And that's uh, Setsna's unit. It looks it's got the Exia's lineage, has binders and a shield on its left shoulder, as well as numerous funnels. So nice. he's going to get kind of the psychom there. Next one's going to be the Gundam Harut, and that's Alleluia's number. The Harut and the Marut are two angels mentioned in the Koran. And this Gundam has a visor like the Asteria and the uh, GN Archer, and it can also transform. Big surprise. <laughs> Gundam Zabanya, and that's Lyle's unit. The Zabanya are the guardians of hell in the Quran. What is this, like an Islamic theme in this new thing? I guess so. And it uh, looks like a close combat unit, has a slim torso, big legs like the Virtue, and uh, it's got Chun Li legs. <laughs> it's the Chun Li Gundam. 
slim torso, big legs. It's going to carry a GN armor light on its back, and its main weapon is the double handgun. Maybe Ebony and Ivory, the Gundam variety. Maybe. And the last one is for Tiaria, and that's the Gundam Raphael. And it's uh, the named after the Archangel Raphael. It's got wired cannons in its fingers. You mean it's not named after the Ninja Turtle? <laughs> no, it's not. We'll have, to, we'll have to check that out. But, and it's got four cannons on its shoulders, so it's, it's even more powerful than a gun cannon. Oh. And they said, new, quote, new GN drives, unquote, were also mentioned. Oh. I wonder what color they'll be. Pink. Locke is clawing. Uh, she, she cross over to this dimension? Oh. Yeah, with the 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 GN particles. <laughs> she made the new drives. Yeah, <laughs> and delivered them too. Oh yeah, this little <laughs> she's the GN valet. <laughs> and got another article here from uh, another poster, the Deuce Bonzo, and uh, actually um, this is also part of uh, TV. He also posted also. And this is from... I'm sorry, what was his name again? TV. Or the first person? The Deuce Bonzo. Because there's another... There, there's an, I have another article here that's a guy called Thaddeus Bonzo. So this one's submitted by the Deuce Bonzo. <laughs> and this comes from the Anime News Network. And get your student visas ready for um, all those Gundam modelers out there. The Tokyo-based artificial teeth maker, Bitech Global Japan, they have introduced uh, Gundam model making in their job application tests. Seriously. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's nuts. For our new college grads. So as a part of the group interviews that are going to be held this October, mm-hmm. the applicants are going to assemble and paint plastic model kits of Sharsaku 2 Mecha Robot. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. I couldn't think of and a better model to, to build. Well, they, they're on a, they, they have a time period. They have to do this within... This is like iron model making. Instead what? of like Iron Chef, you got you to gotta build... The uh, Zaku 2, the Shars uh, Zaku 2 within three hours. Nice. Um, and paint it. And paint it. What the? Really? Yeah, you didn't listen, did and you? And detail? And I all that said, garbage? Let me, re- let well, me, re- let me go the- back to this. Okay, well, no, I'm just... So I'm- shh, shh, shh. Quiet, quiet. <laughs> Open your ears. As I'm- a part of the group interviews this October, okay. applicants assemble and paint the plastic model of kit of Shars Zaku 2 robotic mm-hmm. mecha from... Go- uh, mobile suit Gundam. Awesome. Within three hours. Did you get that? No, well, the shoot. Okay. Well, this uh, this firm, Biotech, they make uh, the comfort brand of artificial teeth. Ugh, it's kind of crazy. But um, during the job interviews, there's going to be a group of three to four, five applicants assemble the model and paint it in three or four more colors. And the application tests start uh, October 7th. So all those that had that dream of making false teeth <laughs> and want to go to Japan, there you go. Next uh, article here, and this is from Thaddeus Bonzo, and this comes courtesy of the Anime News Network, and I'm actually wondering if Pedo Bear South is going to be on this DVD. It's been announced that Bandai is going to release a 280-minute DVD set from the Gundam Big Expo on December 22nd. Oh. Yeah. So I'm wondering if we'll see... Well, if you see uh, a gaijin with a uh, orange, clockwork orange shirt and a derby hat, then that is none other than Pedal Bear South. You mean not clockwork orange cosplay? No. <laughs> no. His debut. The, uh, the Gundam Big Expo, of course, marked the 30th anniversary of the uh, Gundam anime franchise. And it, the big show was from the 21st to the 23rd of August. And there's going to be a two-disc set. And it's going to include a lot of footage from the seven stage events. Nice. On there is going to be uh, Toryu Furuyama, the voice of the main character Armor Array from the first Gundam. He appeared in three of the pilot G30th stage events. 
They're also going to ha- show uh, director Seiji Misashima and the main cast of the latest series, Double O. And they hosted what was called the Gundam Double O Next Mission event, which we talked about earlier. All right. And the White Base Dosokai, which translates to White Base Veterans Reunion, the voice cast of the first Gundam series will reunite. Wow. Did they all jump onto White Base? <laughs> well, would the would the voice actor of Ray, Ryu is he going to come back in Slagger? Because aren't they dead? Or or is it going to be like you you ask them that question? How's it? How's it feel being dead? <laughs> On the other side of the battle lines, the cast of the ruling Zabi family are going to reenact the famous Zigzion speech from the same anime. They also have some coverage of the SD Gundam Academy in there, too. So look for that. It's being released December 22nd of this year. Probably be up on Demonoid and things probably within, what, a week or so? What are those things? Uh, those are video resources. That is that a fine retailer of uh, legal online digital goods? Yes, it is. They actually be sure to check them out. But you have to convert your currency over to invisible credits. That's what they use. And by invisible credits, you mean bandwidth? <laughs> That's what I was about to say. Possibly. I'll have to check. Wait a second. I got something. This is coming in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Now, from the Miami News office, here's Chris with some breaking news. Macross news, correct? Well, it's not exactly breaking, but it is some Macross news, so it's a no, nice for the, for uh, this change of portion of the show. It's breaking. Okay, it's breaking, even though uh, it was posted in mid-August. <laughs> <laughs> but it's breaking. Breaking news. You heard it here last. Our our embedded reporter, Chris Guanche. Yes, and this is uh, some some news that was posted back then on the uh, Macross World forums by. Uh, Crespi, or Crespi, whichever way it's pronounced. The Macross Ultimate Frontier game that's coming out on PSP, the sequel to last year's Ace Frontier, has um, a theme song, which is a new song by Fire Armor called Burning Fire. And uh, from this uh, same thread of Macross news, it was later posted that there's going to be a new Fire Bomber album wow. containing a whole new load of tracks, including this... Uh, song from the game as well as uh, some other music so if you're a Fire Bomber fan who's been hoping for some new material uh, it'll be on its way awesome man right on time I'm about to watch start watching uh, Macross 7 so I'm about to get into Fire Bomber this is the right time for that album to come out that's cool I look you, forward you, to you it you will learn to love Fire Bomber and love their even, song you will listen to his song <laughs> yeah even initially if you don't like the song mm-hmm. by the fourth rotation in that episode you're gonna love it it's like life cereal just grows on you huh <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, uh, since I've mentioned it, might as well detail a little bit about Macross Ultimate Frontier. Mm-hmm. Same style of game as uh, Ace Frontier and the Gundam Battle games that were on PSP. But they've added a whole boatload of new stuff, including a full campaign for Frontier, more stuff for Macross 7. They added Dynamite 7, a full campaign for Zero, which was just an unlockable unit in the first game, wow. and Macross 2, which was not in the first game at all. And that's region-free too, right? Yes, that is region-free. So if you were to purchase uh, Ultimate Ultimate Frontier, you could play it on a PSP. That's cool. Nice. That's so check it out if you if you like shooting and you like Macross. Uh, this is the ultimate Macross game. And, and Fire Bomber music. And the title says it's uh, the ultimate game, so it must be true. It must be. It's like the internet. Believe everything on there. Well, yes. the last article that I have here is from somebody called Tykin. I don't know. Just uh, respond back to me that I put your, your name, and then I'll, I'll correct it. After this episode's released. Uh, but they got an article, again, once again, off the Anime News Network. And this is actually kind of interesting. Uh, I guess Toei is partnering with California-based company called William Wickler Productions. And they're going to be doing... It sounds uh, like a porn company. It does sound like one, doesn't it? <laughs> Along with Ryloco 
productions. They're going to do new English dubbed feature compilations in some of the Toei Animation animes that are out there. The compilations of classic and current Toei Animation series, are there's 23 full-length features have already been produced, and there are plenty more in the future. The titles that they've done so far are Guy King, Guy King 2, Guy King 3, Dangard Ace, Dangard Ace 2, Dangard Ace 3, Space Pirate Captain Harlock, Space Pirate Captain Harlock 2, I think we get the point. Yeah. Uh, Nadia, Fist of the North Star, Starzinger, you know, so they're trying to tap into the American distribution networks for these. And they've announced plans to release these titles in the United States and other territories. Right now, there's really no release date or anything like that, but we'll keep you posted. So maybe um, out of the ashes of some of these other companies folding, there's going to bring new companies to go and do this so do ways to bring anime over cool or maybe toy will screw this up the way they always screw everything up oh yeah slam dunk but um (laughs) chris any any other news any mhq stuff anything else that you need to get out before we head to our first segment or uh just some stuff i'll mention at the end of the show so sure all right uh soul bro any questions that need to be re-asked or anything or just new stories to jump in on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just, I'll just in brief mention. Um, Keanu Reeves was just recently interviewed about uh, another movie that he's doing, that he's starring in, and uh, someone, someone had asked him about the Cowboy Bebop movie and how it was coming along. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he replied that a script was Dude. written and it was epic, but it had everything that you loved about the show, but it was going to cost half a billion dollars to make. Whoa. So there. Dude, it's like I saw the universe, man. It's like whoa. <laughs> They say a new script is being written that um, is more budget budget minded and um, hopefully what was in the script. Hope, did, yeah, did you say a half a billion dollars? Half a billion. The studio did an, a budget estimation on it, and it's it was stated what to be they, like building half a entire billion dollars. cities. I don't know, but I, mean, I guess it has a lot of special effects or CG I mean, in it. And half just a gonna billion have to dollars this. was fixed New Orleans. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. I mean, that cost more than Avatar cost to make. So um, if anything, yeah, they had to take it back to the drawing board. And, um, Dude, the, why the, is there a dog on the spaceship? <laughs> <laughs> can he actually talk, I think, or understand you? How can you call this beef if there's no beef in it? <laughs> <laughs> I think Keanu would do all right in the movie, but the movie's project's still on. Well, uh, hold we on, just hold don't on. Know Before you say any more, trolls, get ready to flame. Uh-oh. You're, you're on, guys. There you go. There you get go. typing. I can hear those keys happening out. Totally suck. He's, he's a big fan of the show, and he went to Sunrise himself to um to call sure for a troll. <laughs> I knew troll he'd you show up. We have we have a troll wreck about to come. Cowboy Bebop is going to be the crappiest thing ever because. Keanu Reeves and so gay and it's just the gayest of the gay. The only so, thing, like, the only so thing that gay. would make it worse is if they had that insufferable man, Michael Bay, directing it because he <laughs> ruined my childhood. Oh well, he ruined it. Get ready for a lot more childhoods to get raped in the next coming Dude, years. All the you adaptations. Would be worse than Keanu Reeves <laughs> as Spike Spiegel is Vin Diesel as Jess Black. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, actually. That would. <laughs> you know, like as a Jet Black, The Rock. Oh man! <laughs> you never know. You never know. So the girl that 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 goatee, man. But anyway, stay tuned. That's all I can say. The movie's still on. But that's it for me. Okay. Well, that's it for us right now. We're going to be going into our first segment. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. Let us do no such Gundam thing. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself 
spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise, wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car, singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 58th installment of Macross Roundup on Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and joined as always by Soulbro and Neo. So, this time on installment 172 of Macross Roundup, we are going to be discussing the 27th movie made for the franchise, Do You Remember Love, and the 45th OAV flashback 2012. Did I just jump like a hundred years in time? Yes, you did. Is this now 2109? And they could only keep high definition television. They didn't get anything better than that, did they? Nope. Damn. Nothing better. Haven't you ever noticed that the future always looks like the present? <laughs> Suspiciously. The Star Trek syndrome. Star Trek syndrome, yes. So anyway, uh, we're actually discussing uh, Do You Remember Love, which was the first Macross uh, movie made was summer of 84. It was a big, big budget retelling of the uh, story from the original series, featuring the same characters and beefed up pretty mecha designs. Yeah. So to start, I will uh, kick it to you guys with some thoughts on uh, just Daryl, and then we'll eventually deal with Flashback 2012 by itself. So uh, Solbro, just to put you on the spot as always. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you, Chris. Do you remember love? Uh, I remember uh, when I first Do walked- you? Uh- <laughs> Do you remember love? 
Yes, I do. I do remember it fondly. I actually got exposed to this back when I was in middle school for the first time. A friend of mine let me borrow a bootleg tape of it. I made the mistake of thinking it was Robotech. And I watched it, and I wasn't quite happy with it. I thought it was going to be... Where's the Robotech masters? Yeah, exactly. Where's the Cyclones? I must have been 13, maybe 12 when I first saw it. I think Palladium Books was releasing it as some special with uh, if you were into the role-playing game. I watched it, and I thought it looked gorgeous, but I wasn't really into it. And then flash forward 15 years where I finally... You know, finally get to see Macross, the TV show, and I finally sit down and watch Do You Remember Love again afterwards, and I'm floored how good it is. But wait, it, here's the question, though. This bootleg that you saw, yeah. was it the Japanese version, or was it Clash of the Bionoids? It was the English dub version, with the actual English voice actors from England in it. Do you remember that version? From England? There's a dubbed version of the of the anime with English voice actors. And I, I didn't know that. Yeah. They, well, there's a, there's a dub with Hong Kong actors, which is what most people have seen. Oh, okay. They had English English accents. That's what really threw me off. Remember, mm-hmm. Hong Kong, British protectorate for a yeah, century. Yeah, yeah, you're making perfect sense. And English um, people only exist in England. <laughs> to soul, bro. Apparently so. We apologize. We apologize anywhere else in this planet. We apologize to all our UK fans, especially uh, those that have the Scottish last names, but they're still English. <laughs> oh, demon lord! <laughs> but um, no um. I, I, that's the version I watched originally when I was a kid. Uh, the one I watched after watching Macross was the the subtitle version, and I was just amazed at the differences. Although you know things ended up being the same overall, the fact that you know uh, Hikaru already was in the military from the beginning, and you had Minmei was already famous, but um, at the start of it, you know they end up getting stranded together after the the opening events of the um, of the movie. I mean, the violence, of course, was ratcheted up. This was the ultraviolet eighties, and do you remember Love took full advantage of it oh yeah the the music rock just like the, the soundtrack in the tv show the new songs that maria jima did were outstanding my favorite song that she's done is do you remember love after that i, I, Where love- have I heard that name before <laughs> i wonder but is that um, part of that is, is is that a is that song a big part of that movie <laughs> oh no it's just a very small part it makes a cameo no <laughs> You didn't like my boyfriend as a pilot? Oh, man. No. Or my pilot as a boyfriend? My pilot as a boyfriend. No. I, I, <laughs> that and um, <laughs> Angel's Paints, which, you know, it closes the movie out. That song Why is are you really spoiling good. that? I'm not listening anymore. I know, I, 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 25 I'm, I'm years later. Screwing uh, the whole plot up for you. You screwed it up. But Lelouch what, is dead. What, you mean this movie ends? Lelouch is dead. <laughs> How dare you get spoilers? <laughs> Lelouch is dead. The big thing about this movie, though, is how the love triangle is re-envisioned. It's actually more endearing in this movie. They act like than grown-ups. Yeah, they do act like grown-ups. Um, the fact that Minmay and Rick hit it off, and remember the time where they were trapped? Sorry, Minmay and um, Hikaru hit remember it Remember back when Minmay and Hikaru were trapped in the Macross? <laughs> well, they were trapped in the Macross in the original TV show, and although there was that tension between them, you know, they, they were saved before anything could come of it. But in the movie, it actually goes the extra step, and they actually fall in love with each other, and then they start hanging out, and they 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 hit the town, and and you know things are good until Centrati attack. Centrati attack. Rick Hunter had to cash. run away from the date that he just had with May. He ran to this. <laughs> His uh, Veritech, and he launched. Yeah. And they was sitting outside crying. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sorry. When, Min, when Minmei and Hikaru become separated and his uh, relationship with Lisa begins, you know, it's it's a tearjerker once Minmei comes back. And she's all all she did was think about him when she was captured. So back by the time they're reunited and she finds out the truth about the fact that his 
his heart is now with Lisa. You know, it's tough to see Min May take that rejection, but, you know, things get resolved in the end. And Well, she's got uh, your man there. Who? Um, Lin Kai Fu. Lin Kai. <laughs> Soul Bros, man. That's not my man, sir. <laughs> not, not the movie version, because he's, he's, he's not uh, a horrible dick. Yeah, oh, he's man. not. Yeah, He's barely in it, actually, but... Uh, <laughs> But no, um, I think that's my favorite part of the whole thing. And of course, Roy still dies, and what's his Rich name? Kakazaki still dies too. And yeah, which I laughed, which I laughed hysterically. Kakazaki, you know, there was a little bit of, you know, you had a little bit of build up to his death in the in the t- in the TV show, but in the movie, he's wiped off the map, just like within. <laughs> Hey, he initiated the Valkyrie pilot's curse. Yeah. Yes, um, so, yeah. so you guys taking notes. This is where it started. You never talk about a man's relationship when you're out there flying planes. You're, you're going to end up getting wiped out. <laughs> Which was great because his death is, is one of those love-to-rewind sequences, kind of like the little girl's head blown off into Dayon, where it, <laughs> it shouldn't be funny, but for some reason, it is. You know, it's funny because I, I watched that scene recently in freeze frame, and you can see, like, as as he's getting, like, vaporized, you can see his face melting, oh, wow. like, in the cockpit panel on Hikaru's monitor. Mm-hmm. And then you can see on the other side of the monitor, you can see Max's reaction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's funny because um, in the PlayStation 1 game of Do You Remember Love, they reanimated that scene. And that's, uh, and, and it looks, it, they, they even made it more grotesque where you can see his face coming apart. Like, he's just being, you know, completely roasted in his cockpit before the transmission cuts out. It's bizarre and disgusting, but Kakazaki, man. Rest in peace, buddy. <laughs> you never get to finish that steak. Wrap up that steak for me. What an old steaky. All his family's getting is uh, a flag, right? Yeah, a, and a steak. A flag. Yeah. And, a steak. And, his, and, and his leftovers. <laughs> his leftovers. Half-eaten baked potato and a porterhouse. Yeah, I knew that fat bastard would never amount to anything. <laughs> yeah, son of a bitch. In the end, it is a perfect retelling of Macross. I mean, it's, it's as if Michael Bay stepped in. And ratcheted up the action. And, what? And, and, and <laughs> Get the hell out of here. How I'm, dare I'm you? I'm just kidding. No, but it is a balls-of-the-wall reinvention of Macross. It looks gorgeous. The um, redesigns of the costumes are great. Oh, yeah. And for the most part, it is... It is a fun ride, and, and for those fans of Macross, I think you should definitely go out and, and watch this movie. And it's referenced throughout the rest of the Macross franchise, so you definitely should want to see it. But um, So, uh, Sobro, mm-hmm. anything you didn't like about the movie? What I didn't like, I guess, uh, what's his name? Um, I, I want to call him Chiron, but his name is... Um, Kamajin. Kamajin. Oh, Kamajin. And, uh, he, he wasn't really uh, explored too much in this movie, but really there wasn't time. This, no, Max no, no. and Maria. They Max didn't and Maria didn't have much time yeah. either. I I did, I did like it's one film. of my beefs. They introduced Max, you know, at the beginning, Gets and you captured, see him throughout. And then he becomes big again. He becomes big, and uh, he ends up, you know, fighting alongside. And, and he taps that ass. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> taps that glorious ass. He ends up um, teaming up with the the Metra- the Metrans, right? The um, the Meltrons. Meltrons. Uh, ends up teaming up with them, and um, you know, you don't get to see much of him. And that he's my favorite character in Macross, so that that kind of is a downside for me. Most for the most part, though, I don't have much to complain about. Unlike a girl in Gaia, the Escaflone movie, this one, you know, hits all the right notes. When it comes to doing a Cliff Notes version of an epic series, oh, oh, you know what? You're you're up to bat. Pretty much along the same line, you know. I definitely love you know the new movie quality animation. You know, some certain points of the the way events happen is um, you know a nice kind of retelling. Some I'm kind of indifferent on. I when it comes to even Roy's death, Roy had more of like the anime senpai death and, and Daryl. 
than he did in you know the original show in the original show at least he got to see claudia in this one he just dies valiantly in the cockpit protecting hikaru and uh, mesa but once again you know the music's great just like any uh, macross show i am kind of in agreement with some of the supporting actors you know like um maximary and some of the other things that happen I know because of the constraints of the time, it, you know, you can't go fully into it, but it does kind of seem a little out of place, especially if you have a basis of the original story. The other thing I liked is ha- actually seeing how just devastated the uh, Earth was. <laughs> I mean, you see it in Macross, especially when they go into that Earth arc at the end of the, the Macross saga. You, you're, you're looking there and it's like, yeah, but there's still kind of remnants of life and everything. There's still there. It's just like just barren wasteland. Ooh. And, you know, s- only certain things that were even built started were even left standing like the Prometheus and you know a couple other things but it was just that and the fact that they found no one they were there for like uh, 30 days and they didn't get a sign of life anywhere so well it's definitely screwed up that you know for the longest time the planet was so hideous and barren and messed up they didn't even know they were on earth until they saw the Prometheus that was crazy yeah (laughs) that that was just incredibly crazy in terms of a retelling and like you said a movie adaptation of of a series it ranks up there is one of the best. Yeah, if if you didn't have any you know interest or any experience in original Macross, you could watch it and it still makes sense to you. And then you know if you do, it just is a nice retelling of some of the things that are out there. But I really don't have too much to nitpick on this, you know, other than some of the supporting character stuff. I would say for one, uh, obviously the thing that stands out the most is that uh, this movie has gorgeous animation, and even 25 years later, it still looks oh. better than half the stuff that's put out there today. Yeah, it really does. I mean, it really, really, they, they spent, uh, like, a lot of money. I mean, it's just, it's a world apart from the TV show. I mean, <laughs> to have consistent character designs and really nice upgraded mecha designs, it's just, it's everything not- just looks, like, gorgeous. I, I mean, I still almost drool every time, you know, when you see in the opening scene when they're showing you, like, the bridge and yeah. all of the Valkyries launching. It's just like, oh, my God. How, how dare you poop on anime, friend? <laughs> Screw those bitches. It, Shoosh. Shitty it, outsourcers. It, it, did, it did not have the wedding look to it. Oh. <laughs> no, it didn't, thankfully. Oh. One other thing that I also liked, uh, you know, with the change in the story is the way that they change around the personalities of some of the characters. I certainly appreciated in this version that Hikaru isn't so wishy-washy and indecisive. Yeah. After after a brief sort of enchantment with Minmay, you know, he he gets with Misa and pretty much just decides he's going to stick with her. Yeah, he really I hate to use this phrase cuz people always use it all the time, but it is an example of manning up. You know, he he oh. didn't he wasn't acting like the the confused teenager, you know, that's just I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. I'm just going to be indecisive and just, you know, sit here and just play emo with both of them. Are you saying he was a grown-ass man? Beautiful man. <laughs> well, he acted yeah. like one. Yeah, he did. He man. he found himself a real woman, and he uh, he stuck with her. Yeah, you know, it, it's he it, uh, he made that real clear. Yeah, a rarity, especially in, in that great shot where he just slaps the somebody that I'm in me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Not that I'm for domestic violence, mind you, but yeah. uh, she kind of deserved it for what she said. Damn. Oh yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. But she's let's <laughs> just forget about everyone. Let's die together. Yeah, it was really kind of creepy. I don't know, Minmay's got kind of a weird fatalistic streak to her because uh, 
She says the same thing in the uh, in TV the TV show. show when they're trapped together. Like, let's just die together. <laughs> like, wow, you're uh, you're a little messed up. You got some baggage there, honey. But I definitely like that. You know, Hikaru he made his choice and he stuck with it. And you know, there really wasn't that much of a love triangle in that sense because he knew what he wanted and he got it. Yeah, it didn't last very long. That love triangle. Yeah. Also, I like that. Uh, you know, Minmay is presented as a lot more older and mature in the movie. Yes. TV show because a TV show you know she's just kind of a clueless teenage girl which is what you'd expect for someone that age but you know she's very different from that in the movie and I like the movie depiction of her a lot better than than the TV show well yeah, the, she- the movie depiction you know it, it really showed that because of the situation all those people were in on the Macross everybody had to grow up yeah I hate to say this but it's got that realistic element to it where if you were put in that situation everybody would just have to forget that their past life and stuff like that it's like it's about now now we got to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't act like the spoiled little kid girl anymore. I know it's sad for me to admit this, but when watching the original Macross, I wasn't that really that attracted to Min May. I th- thought she was a whole lot of trouble. I thought she was a cool character for what you know she was, but I really wasn't. I, I if I had to pick one of the two, Misa Hayase all the way. But in Do You Remember Love, it's complete opposite. She's someone that you could easily be enamored with. She's she's cute, but also she's a woman and she has a lot of charm. And I thought that, you know, she was just a lot more appealing in Do You Remember Love than she was in the original TV show. Yeah, but in not liking her in the TV show, was your impression of that influenced by Robotech, Robotech depiction of her, which was the worst depiction of all? No, no, because I, I, I did see the original Macross as well, and as I didn't dislike her in the TV show. She just was a bit more immature in the TV show compared to Do You Remember Love. And Do You Remember Love showed off a lot more of her sexy side. I mean, there's certain shots, you know. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you could certainly say that. Yeah, exactly. That, uh, that shower scene. Exactly, and and there was the, the shower scene was also, you know, there was a shower scene in in, in Macross, but in in Do You Remember not Love, it's ramped up. Good. Yeah, <laughs> not nearly. Yeah, exactly. Not as detailed. Not as detailed as it was in Do You Remember Love, but you know, just overall, just her overall appeal and charm made her much more of an icon to me sexually than she was in the TV show. I just one thing I just gotta know is if you're taking a you're taking a shower in zero g and you're floating in space why aren't the bubbles floating <laughs> how how does the water shoot downward anime plot hole <laughs> plot device especially when the soda fizzes upward yeah it must be because i'm thinking to myself maybe it's like like industrial strength shower that like shoots down really hard to defy the forces of gravity but if it does that water hitting you would probably like rip your flesh to pieces from um, being that strong yeah well that and i'm glad to see i love the um the scene of uh, Roy drunk in the cockpit, <laughs> and a good thing that the the UN spacey troopers went out because he probably would have got that probably been his last FWI. He probably would have been his like his third one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> having watched the uh, the Clash of the Bionoids dub first, you know, there's just this great corny scene of where when he shows up there and Hikaru's like, "You're drunk. What's the matter? You can still fight while you're drunk." <laughs> like an angry Scotsman. It's such a horrible dub. It's so bad because you have all of these Chinese people with kind of British accents who sound horrible. But that just that one line of "You can still fight while you're drunk" is is just classic. Kind of like uh, you know Final Fantasy IV and uh, you Spoonie Bard. Yeah. <laughs> one thing I didn't like is that it kind of just jumps into the story. Yeah, that's you true. Know, I think they could have had like just a quick one or two minute prologue you know just showing even like in montage form like showing yeah. you know 
the SDF-1 getting attacked and, you know, ending up out in space and blah, 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 because unless you've well, seen the wait, TV show... Wait, you need to say what you just said in the Robotech narrator's voice. <laughs> <laughs> the SDF-1 gets attacked, and then while Rick Hunter was putting on his pants, he put his left leg into the right <laughs> leg, and then he fell. Bull. <laughs> but, no, I, I agree with you. It's almost a little bit like um, Char's counterattack, where it's like, wow, a bunch of stuff happened. And you, you get put into it, but it's like, yeah. But Char's counterattack has three TV shows yeah. that preceded, it, so you know yeah. what the backstory is. Yeah. With Daryl being a retelling, if you're just watching it blind, you s- have no idea what the hell is going yeah. on. Yeah, at, least it's, true. at least it's not as bad as F91, though. There's there's almost enough to I wouldn't say almost enough but there's more to to grasp onto in um, Do You Remember Love from watching the TV show and I guess you can just assume some things. But if so, you haven't watched the TV show, oh that's yeah, then, you, then you're if screwed. You're coming in, if you're coming in blind, <laughs> yeah. Soul Soul Bros listening then, skills then, again. Then, there we go. There we go. It, it had to happen. <laughs> Soul Bro gets a U. Unsatisfactory. Listens to comments and questions constructively. Listens well. U. Awesome. Anyway, um, point made. Going hand in hand with the new mecha designs and the new animation yeah. is the spectacular combat because oh my gosh, you know, there's just so many great battles in this movie. That I just I just watched some of these battles just for the hell of it. You know the that whole fight between uh, Max and Miria. Oh, and then the fi- the final battle. The final battle, the first battle out in space. I mean, there's just the choreography and the animation yeah. and the pacing is just so well done in this that it outmatches so much that has come after this to you know even even watching some great battles in macross plus and macross frontier still doesn't just quite have that same touch as as daryl had yeah you're right about that it's it just seems like this was just one of those points in time when they were making this thing it just everything went well when it came to the combat you know choreographing it and filming and everything because it's it's very much up there Gorgeous okay. devastation. That's gorgeous all. devastation. Gorgeous devastation. Indeed. So, uh, moving on now to a very in-depth discussion that'll probably have us here for five hours. Nice. Uh, what did you guys think of Flashback 2012? The um, music OAV thingamajig that came out a few years after Daryl. It ranks up there with um, Interstellar 5555 as one of the greatest anime music videos ever made. <laughs> But Interstellar five 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 is a little bit longer. It's just a, just a tad bit. I seen it once years ago, and yeah, it was just more of a of a music video, and then you just see them launch in the mega uh, the mega road one. But I was calling it the mega load. I don't know. <laughs> but and you have to drop a mega load. No. After this segment. No, no, I'm I'm regular, but um, oh, that's that's, that's all I really remember on it. I don't I don't really remember too much because you know there just wasn't much there. It was just just once again, just a concert. <laughs> so it's pretty much on my part. So, bro, it was a nice trip down memory lane, which I guess it was his point. But um, I did like that they kind of showed um, Minmay's, you know, a little, a little Minmay's past at the very end segment of it. Oh yeah, when that's um, right. when they show you um, that she's gonna leave on the uh, the Mega Roto one with uh, Hikaru and Misa. But um, before that, it's kind of like a little introspective on um, Minmay towards the end. And they show her arguing with her parents and her packing her bags. And it kind of has a montage that shifts between uh, when the uh, Macross, uh, the original Macross took off and and then the Mega Road, which is taking off. And she's almost kind of like leaving her old self behind when she takes this trip into space with the Mega Road 01. And it was, it was just a nice sentimental sequence towards the end when they show the, the last song, Angel's Paints, of course. And um, 
I loved it. I thought it was a fun watch. And it should be noted that uh, you know this new animation that appears in Flashback 2012 was intended to be the ending for Daryl, but I guess they just ran out of time or money or whatever and, and couldn't finish it because Daryl ends with her singing Angel's Paints and yeah. you know the song that Min Min goes out on with this concert before leaving is Angel's Paints. Yeah. And uh, there are versions of uh, Daryl have been released on you know DVD, uh, a perfect edition that adds some but not all of that footage and shows Min May uh, in concert. I was kind of hoping that we would actually get Dural here with Flashback 2012, you know, all in the same DVD here. What, what's but, that? You're hoping that yeah, well, a new the, Macross license comes out in America? <laughs> well, as part of the um, the whole... What have you um, been smoking, buddy? Well, well, as part of the whole thing that ADV had with the original TV show, I thought that they might get the um, the movie as well, but I guess I was, I was dead wrong. I smell a petition. <laughs> Hey guys, I'm gonna start this online petition. I want to call to guys, all the fans guys, of Gundam. Please guys, support me in this. this petition. I know I'm petition.com. I know I'm hopeless, but <laughs> it's. It, I'm just gonna throw it out into the ether. You'll get that there when you go. get the Turn A Gundam Perfect Collection. <laughs> yeah. By by the way, Soulbro, uh, since uh, ADV has uh, you know pulled a name changer, uh, who who are you gonna petition? <laughs> No one. I guess that's to be announced. <laughs> We're gonna ask because they have like a zillion little like little mini companies now. Yeah, the one off in Aruba, and you know, <laughs> and the one up in Switzerland. Yeah, and Guyana. And well, I guess I'm screwed then. No petition. No petition. Doggone. No. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> but I definitely enjoyed that it was Minmay centric and. You know, there's yeah. a few things like you mentioned, like showing Min May arguing with her parents because in in the Daryl version of the story, you know, she argued with her parents and left because she wanted to be a singer, mm-hmm. and she went out on her own. Whereas in the TV show, you know, she was with her aunt and uncle, and uh, you see that. And there's this nice little um, one scene of a few seconds where when she gets to the Macross, that uh, she's just a young girl like holding like a book bag and a bunch of junk and she's looking at this like poster of the Macross like before it's launch about how it's going to be like a hopeful new future and yada yada and then you see like right after that you know she's sort of in the same spot years later now as a woman and she's looking at a poster of the Mega Road it, what what would you call it a um it's a nice a contrast contrast thank you you know and anything it, this the the whole um the whole flashback 2012 is a, is a nice send off for min may because that's really the last thing you've seen min may animated in literally a send off since that's the last time <laughs> you ever see hikaru misa or min may since they go off and disappear and it's the only time you get to see animated the uh, the vf4 yes yeah. yes that's right i have a question for all of you guys no <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Min May is as iconic as Shara Aznable? Like, I mean, she's one of, hands down, she's one of the anime's most iconic characters. But do you think she's on that level at all? Probably, because, uh, you know, he started off the uh, masked or at least charismatic enemy rival mm-hmm. that has been used a zillion times in the last 30 years. And, you know, I think Min May was kind of the start of the idol, because outside of Mecha, you know, there have been tons and tons of these like idol type characters in anime and i think it's pretty clear that you can pinpoint her as the start of that exactly yeah, i feel the same way about that too i would think so i mean yeah more of a more of a global thing you know more of a global reach on the anime front because yeah. like you said uh her influence shars is more or less on action some shonen shows and definitely robot shows but you know minmei like you said there's pop idols in a lot of a lot of different genres of anime well, in that case, uh, if we have nothing more to discuss, which I don't think we do, that'll uh, wrap up this installment of 
Macross Roundup, and uh, next time we'll be hitting up the uh, controversial, you either love it or you hate it, and if you hate it, you really hate it, Macross 2. Oh, man, I'm, so, I'm excited. Time Can't to, wait. Time to queue up Netflix. Yep. So with that, uh, that wraps up this second installment of Macross Roundup. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Walter, I love you, but sooner or later you're going to have to face the fact you're a goddamn moron. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Damn honey! Oh, no, not the beast! Not the This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. I'm your guest host, Mitsugi. And we have an interesting topic for you tonight, and we're going to be discussing a crossover between the horror segments and the sci-fi segments that we see through various forms of media. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't really think about exactly what it is to be sci-fi horror. You know, we just see movies and we read books. That actually contains the subject matter, but it's truly interesting to actually get into the psychology of the genre. And if you really think about it, the sci-fi horror genre started way back in like the 20s with Frankenstein and things like that. And and when we say sci-fi horror, we mean that there's that there's an element of science in it, but it, that also scares us. That a great example is like The Fly. You know, the old yeah. the old movie of The Fly. You know, the, the guy gets in the in the teleporter with the fly, and he he, he he himself becomes a fly. But you know, Stephen King and uh, Lovecraft are great front runners of the genre with Cthulhu and The Stranger. But what it really is about the sci-fi horror genre that draws us is that it's human nature to fear the unknown. And sci-fi is really a genre that not everybody can easily understand. And so, and especially back in the 30s with things like Frankenstein, you know, I think as, as time goes on, you kind of have to push the envelope more and more to, to get people to be scared and to get people to not being, be able to understand science. But, you know, like the woods at night, you know, it's scary, it's dark, you don't know what's in the woods. Yeah. Or like uh, the masked killer at the door, a remote house in the country. All these things can be used in sci-fi horror because it's really about what you don't understand and it's the fear of the unknown. Like, personal example... Well, one thing that really freaks me out is like I do not like swimming in like lakes at night or like in or like in pools at night where it's dark. I cannot stand not not knowing what's underneath me in the water. Mm-hmm. 
that's a really great example. But we see sci-fi horror in books and even in radio and in movies. But how has sci-fi horror been taken and adapted into anime? And that's a really good question. And, and really, if you think about it, it's pretty much everywhere. I mean, sci-fi is definitely a genre that's permeated through anime to an extreme. And there's also horror anime, but they cross over in such a... They fit so well together that if you really think about all the different animes that are out there, you can come across a lot that are sci-fi horror. Oh, yeah. Horror in general, though, has been kind of a... Um, you know, it's kind of becoming like a reoccurring theme in a lot of uh, shows and movies mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, lately, and you know, with a lot of remakes of older horror films in the U.S., um, sure. it's definitely on there. But I think when you do a crossover of two genres, some things work and some things don't. Um, right? You know, it's like you you wouldn't want like um, I don't know a horror in Moe. I don't think that would work too well. <laughs> even though I think that would work amazingly well. Why? Because all the girls will get killed. <laughs> And we wouldn't have to Actually, worry about it's, it. It's already been done. Uh, Higurashi no Naku Koroni. Oh yeah, oh, I'm a big fan of that of that series. All right, a well, perfect <laughs> example of moe and and uh, hell of a lot of horror. Okay, we'll strike it. Horror, yeah. <laughs> strike my comments then. That combination already scares me. And you know, well, I guess I, I mean, I guess Higurashi's been out for a while, so I can say it. But you know, Higurashi has the whole virus thing going on, and so you know. Oh my God! No, the virus. Stop with- oh, so, oh man, you, you just know, spoiled it, it for me. <laughs> About time someone spoiled something no, for you. It's okay. <laughs> Ooh, doesn't matter. But um, I I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, okay, this is a classic. Well, it's, well, maybe it's a classic anime nowadays. But um, the anime, the first anime that comes to mind about um sci-fi horror is Lily Cat. Lily yeah. Cat. <laughs> Lily Cat. Uh, you mean uh, Aliens? The anime? Aliens? Yeah. The anime? Pretty much. It. I mean, it, it might as well have been directed by Ridley Scott <laughs> or, or or James Cameron. It um, it was it was it was almost like the thing. Cross with aliens, mm-hmm. cross with alien. It was um, it, it scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. It, it really was <laughs> effed up. And and it, that new movie that's coming out now, Pandorum, kind of reminds me of that. Mm, I don't yeah. know exactly what the the hook is in that, but it kind of has that Lily Cat vibe just by watching the trailer. So um, that does sound like a good example. Yeah, I, I hate it when someone's stuck on a ship. I like Dead Space, and you really can't mm, yeah. escape what's on there. I mean, all you why, got why do all those space. ships in the future have to have low lighting too? <laughs> why can't they have uh, brighter lights in there, like the uh, like the Enterprise in the new Star Trek movie? I know. You know there's, there's no horror going to happen on the Enterprise <laughs> because of lens flare. Because of lens flare, lens flare. There he is. There's the boogeyman. You've got Rawr, lens flare. Yeah, like uh, like um. What's that movie? Event Horizon. Have you guys yeah. seen that? That's a good example. Oh, terrible. That movie is, that movie is messed up. <laughs> well, they work, but sci-fi and, the, and the horror works so well because there's always that eerie mood about right. um, horror, and there's always the unknown about sci-fi, especially when you start getting into the ethical dilemmas of like um, you know, artificial intelligence and yep. what is life and all this other stuff. So, and then you, know, you throw in aliens, and it works pretty well. And doing that, instead of them just trying to conquer us, and the super super robot saves us in the end with rocket punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really good example. I mean, there's a there's an anime that I that I've been watching recently that's not horror at all. It's called Eve No G-Con. It's kind of got like your stereotypical android thing going on. You know, the world's permeated with androids, and everyone has like their personal android, and they have like these rings that glow that go above their head that kind of let you know whether or not they're an android or not. Mm-hmm. But these androids are kind of taking things upon themselves. And they go to this cafe where in the cafe, the ring disappears, and you have to treat everybody equally. 
like oh. whether they're in it, you know. And you, but you, the androids look completely like people. So there are these kids that they they discover this cafe and they don't know who's an android and who isn't. Oh. And I think, and even though that's not horror, I can see how that can be like interpreted as pretty scary because you can you, you can like feel the, the the fear in those in the people yeah, that are fear in, of the unknown in the cafe. Yeah, exactly. And I mean that's a. I mean, that's not a horror, but that's the Android thing is a very good example. I mean, there's other examples that have come out pretty recently, like Blue Gender is a really good example. And I know Blue Gender gets a lot of hate from a lot of people, but, I mean, you know, the world overrun with man-eating monsters, you don't understand, you know, why they're there or or even what they are, but, you know, there's a lot of psychological terror going on in that series and not being able to fully understand the situation, and it's just, you know, it's scary. And it was uh, done by a, a Gundam favorite director, right, Chris? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah. Well, uh, Ryoji Takahashi, he produced the show. He didn't Oh, he didn't, uh, he didn't direct, direct it? But it certainly got that... It's got his stamp on it, yeah. He's got his fingers in it. And there's a lot of, you know, use of horror in anime where it's not even so much like a gore aspect, it's just... Yeah. The fact that there could be something there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mentioned in your outline the Magnetic Rose short by Katsuhiro Otomo. Sure. Which is just really, really creepy. There's not much going on it, yeah. but it's just a really creepy exploration of this empty, unknown world. Right. That's kind of normal with all like the, age, the, like, the actual live-action Asian horror films. If you've ever seen some of those, they always just have more of a creep vibe yeah. than just like, you know, oh, here's a killer with an axe. There goes the sorority girl's head, you know, and, and stuff like they yeah, do. They it have in, done a better job with that. So, and I, I think that translates better into putting it into different media's like anime or something like that, because you don't have to sit there and just try to rely on gratuitous violence, right. to give you a creepy feeling, and and incorporating like the sci-fi unknown. Sure also helps that too well i mean you don't even have to have any any actual violence or anything like that in, in yeah. a series it's like magnetic rose is a pretty good example but i'm going to relate it to something else in a minute but just infiltrating the ship that's you know the ship's creepy enough on its own mm-hmm. just having like the suspense and the anticipation of you know what could be in the ship is enough like i, I always used to say back when i was younger playing growing up playing games like resident evil and stuff i always used to say that you know the game is a good horror game when you don't want to go through like the next door because you don't want to know what's on the other side of it you know the other thing is that's a good example because i remember playing like resident evil 2 and stuff and getting scared crapless with me and my friend we're playing at like two o'clock at night right you, you, you know you take a break and then you hear something outside and you're like oh god what the hell is that you know and yeah. and it and it is i i do feel that sometimes like you're saying the not seeing it like sometimes you'll have an anime or even live action horror film where you see that somebody's going to get killed they get introduced to the monster but then you don't see what actually happens to them right so it's your mind's eye screw it's like screwing with you like yeah, oh exactly. god that sounded and horrible. your mind will always come up with something more horrible than what yeah. yes. they could actually show you so it's it's the power suggestion and the runaway imagination. I think one of the best examples, since you mentioned Asian live-action horror movies, Paul, is the Chinese movie uh, The Eye, the original version, not yeah. the shitty remake with Jessica Alba. <laughs> yeah, and The Ring too, and Alien, yeah. the original yes. Alien as well. Yes, yeah. but uh, definitely, you know, that movie is like a perfect example of you know where less can be more. Mm-hmm. There's this one scene. Uh, Stories this blind chick who gets an eye transplant and she starts seeing ghosts and all these other creepy things. And she's riding up this really slow elevator. And there's like this ghost of this like old guy standing in the corner of the elevator, and she sees him there, and he's kind of slowly like floating towards her, and he's like, Ugh. <laughs> <That> is- <laughs> he's just like very slowly creeping and creeping towards her across this little you know average size elevator. And she's like kind of looking at him, but not looking at him. 
and you know the elevator's just ever so slowly moving to the next floor and you just feel so much dread as this ghost thing is creeping towards her and then finally the elevator just pops open and she runs the hell out of there and there was no gore there was no blood there was no you know hatchets or axes or anything but the scene is just ridiculously creepy because it just preys on your fear of, you know, you're in a confined space with this, like, thing that's after you. Definitely. I mean, and it's funny because, you know, are able to convey a feeling of the unknown to somebody. And like you said, your mind completely screws with you thinking, oh, God, that must have been really bad. When in essence, it might have been just like they just, you know, had a knife across their gut or something like right. that, <laughs> you know, and... Um, definitely something creepy and spooky there this whole conversation i keep thinking about this one tv commercial that i saw i don't know if you guys watched g4 at all yeah i do but there's this one commercial that in they the had past in the past <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've heard other people say that too there was this one commercial maybe you remember it where for their late night block of television or whatever and yeah. and there's like this really dirty like writhing duffel bag like in the corner of the room and she's like you're gonna watch the late night block of I, programming or i'll open the bag i <laughs> Do you want me to open the bag? <laughs> and it's so creepy because it's like, you know, it's like, no, you can't force me to watch any more cops. I can't do it. <laughs> no, no, please, no more cheaters. I can't handle it. Oh, <laughs> oh man, that burns up. That, that stuff's burned in Soul Bros DVR, probably. <laughs> it's burning something right now. Oh man! But I guess maybe right. we should go over some of the other examples that you have yeah, some of I mean, the animes here. I mean, there's some more. There, I mean, it doesn't have to be a, the like the subtle horror because there's plenty of stuff that's just very in your Blade. face, and blatant, yeah. like like Elfin Light. Elfin Light. <laughs> this anime doesn't waste any time. I mean, you turn it on, and after one minute, you've already had like. I mean, like, the full frontal nudity aside, but, you know, you've already had, like, 15 people decapitated in one minute. Oh, wow. I mean, it's in your face, and you don't, you can't see what's, what, what, what's, I mean, they eventually reveal to you exactly what's going on, you know, the, with the invisible arms and whatnot that the Diclonius have, but to see someone's head and arms just exploding off, you know, yeah. randomly with, like, some kind of a seemingly invisible weapon is pretty creepy, and that anime is definitely does not take the subtle, suspenseful approach. It's in your face, like, the whole time. Especially the first half of that first episode where it's just an endless killing stream, and, yeah. you know, you've got moments in there that just pepper it up, like the bumbling secretary who stumbles mm-hmm. into the, the cutesy bumbling secretary who stumbles right into the middle That's of this, and yeah. then instantly has her head ripped off. Ooh. And then her body used as a bullet shield. Yep. Wow. Oh. Yep. Yeah, that's that's like one of the more. Guess she'll need some time off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Permanent vacation. And it's like, of course, of course, that that's up until the second half of the ep- of the uh, first episode where it becomes like a you know an eighteen and up or or, or rather an an eight eight years old and up anime with you know the kitty stuff going on. This that yeah. anime has horrible genre clashing. That's the main criticism. It's like you go from decapitation to like card cap or Sakura level content <laughs> like that in the span really? of a second. Yeah. And it it goes back. You know? Oh yeah, it it goes back. <laughs> it does. Like, you know, it gets worse. And then you've got the psychotic military people that are just determined to kill, you know, the Diclonius, you know, at, even at the cost of, you know, their own, you know, hundreds of soldiers or whatever. I've always seen it, like, on, you know, at anime conventions, you know, on, like, their playlist and, and at the stores and stuff. I, I just now never... you know why. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> short. Def- I mean, you could blow it out in about three hours or four hours, so... Oh, okay, cool. I mean, it's it's only a 13-episode series, but, I mean, there's other ones, like, um, 
Iria, Zyron oh, yeah. the Animation is a good example. And That's I, a really good show. And yeah. I love Iria. She's so cool. You've got Zyron, who's like the alien serial killer. There's like all these rumors about him. You know, he's immortal. He'll, you know, he's horribly violent. And the whole anime, you're just being stalked by this figure who just destroys everything in his path. I never saw the original live action that is based upon. But mm-hmm. um, is it a sequel to that, or is it just a retelling of it? I, I I believe it's a retelling. Okay. Yeah. She might be one of the toughest chicks I've ever seen. She is in uh, anime too, because she goes through a lot of crap oh, in man. that show. Yeah. She, but yeah, once again, you lot. said the the whole thing of up until you get to see. You know, the Xerophon, you don't know what's going on because you keep getting messed with just like she is. And then, you know, when she, just like we would, if we were in her position, finally meet him, everything that we have built up and thought about him is just like, wow, this is it. Mm -hmm. It's almost, um, you know, you're just sitting there and you're like, wow, you know, I built up all this, all this anxiety and this had this vision and now it's just nothing. And there's also a pretty good build up at the end where she actually has to confront him, you know? Because it's like, you know, you don't, you don't really, well, I guess some people probably want it to happen, but, you know, she doesn't want it to happen. Yeah. And there's like that whole 15 minute build, build up of preparation. It's like, it's almost like like the preparation for a boxing match. And then you had to have the big violent showdown with, uh, you know, Zerum, which is himself. pretty good. A little bit of an older example, but, you know, it, it doesn't feel old to me, you know. Hey, there's nothing wrong with old anime. Yeah, We for encourage sure. old anime here. Yeah, well. We are advocates. Of classic anime. Especially considering how anime presently is. Oh, man. Oh. It's a sad state of affairs. You don't like your moi blobs and... Oh, uh... man. <laughs> I, you know, I thought the I thought the summer animes were bad, and they're, they're just ending, right? But some of the fall ones have just started, and oh, man. Right right now, as we're speaking ill about moe, uh, Chris, uh, Petal Bear South's ears are burning. <laughs> it's like somebody's <laughs> talking about me. And Petal Bear North is already preparing his retort on the boards. I'm not called Petal Bear North anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you don't yeah. know these guys, Jeff, but li- listen to some of our past episodes. You'll, you'll see. It's, these are the Moe Enforcers. What other podcast do you know that has its own pair of pedal bears? Yeah. We have one north of the border and one south of the border. Canadian-U.S. border, not Mexico. If we start doing Gundam Spanish, I'm sure we'd pick up a, a pedal bear or two from down there. Juan <laughs> from Juarez. Uh, I love King of Fighters, Street Fighter, and Blaze Blue, and Moe Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Strike Witches. Sorry. One day they'll meet, and it'll be like the fist of the North Las and the South. Star. Los aviones. Well, could we actually have Pedal Bear North and Pedal Bear South meet, or would that cause like a, a counterbalance to the Earth's gravitational force, and like the pull, and maybe like the pole switch and stuff? <laughs> Time it, it would be it would be like what Doc Brown described. If, if uh, one point twenty two gigawatts meet her future her future self. Oh my! Really? I, I was I was thinking something more cataclysmic, you know, like the actual Earth's axis just tilting, and like maybe you know the floods, the, the rising floods, and like you know the summer in Antarctica and, and uh, winter in Florida, <laughs> or, or are we overestimating their power? The seas boiling over, cats and dogs living together. Whoa, that's heavy. Either that or <laughs> what's wrong with the future? Is the gravity gone off kilter or something? <laughs> Yeah, there's a couple more. I mean, you guys can probably come up with like hundreds of them, but I think Serial Experiments Lane is a really good example. Oh yeah, I don't know if Chris or Solbro has seen that show. But I've, I've seen, I've yeah. seen, I've seen I most have. of it. That's a really good show. Yeah, and that show came out like right during like the I feel like the big boom of the internet. People have that inbred fear of what is technology going to become. Yeah. You know, it's is it going to get out of control? And Lane kind of fleshes out those fears for people. I mean, 
really in a very you know fictional manner shows you what technology can do and kind of strikes right at the heart of some of the issues that i think people had right at that time and so, still have now yeah, yeah. i mean you, you still have those debates of you know what's the internet and you know how it can be used and it should it be policed and all right. this other stuff so and you've got the people that are you know you know free speech you know mm-hmm. freedom to do whatever you want and then yeah you know, is it okay to have dirty pictures on the internet that anybody can access or you know well it's that question because well because the kids you know you, you yeah, have you have yeah. parents that are like i want this stuff off but you know there's ways of keeping your kid from getting on there yeah. but then that's like also, cutting their hands off yeah or you know or blinding them acid in the face i heard a statistic once that said that like for every one r- real website there's like something like 10 porn sites I, I would well, imagine that. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me, but uh, I think another pretty good example, I don't know if you guys, if any of you have seen this, but uh, Darker Than Black. Oh, yes. Yeah, I've seen some of it. While uh, the, the ending of the series is a little bit lacking, it certainly has this uh, feel of like sci-fi noir horror because you, know, you have this mysterious event in Tokyo. You have kind of this whole sealed-off area that nobody can go into because weird stuff happens, and you have all these people with weird powers as a result of this event so there's a lot of like feeling of the unknown and you know, especially when they actually go inside uh, this hell's gate like you have no idea what's going to happen in this like creepy abandoned area that yeah. god knows what is going on in there yeah that's a really good example of, of like a more current one yeah i have one although every episode was kind of kind of had a slant on different genres ghost in the shell standalone complex yeah. there were some episodes that elements of fear and horror like one of the perfect examples is when Bateau is I think it's called Jungle Cruise where Bateau is up against the um, the killer he, but Bateau I'm sorry um, who who is this Bateau you speak of but, <laughs> <laughs> what Bato 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 I'm oh, sorry oh, oh. I, I'm mispronouncing the man's name but um, Bato he realizes the serial killer that's in town who's skinning these women oh that are, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, it, are, is, is, is the same man that um, he was hunting back in the 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 fourth uh, world war the, it has elements of strange days in it remember yeah. the movie strange days where he was jacking and uh, jacking into the killer was jacking into yeah. the minds of the of the women and having them see themselves get, get killed. killed yeah same thing right there and and cyberpunk itself has elements of fear and horror in it right. too, depending on you know where the story goes but yeah ghost in the show had that um there were other episodes where it was also a viable subgenre in in the episodes of standalone complex too but i, I that just stands out in my mind as something that um I, would serve I, as an example i know one that we talked about we actually did a spotlight on would be um part two and part three of magazine oh yeah that, that had that kind of especially part two yeah that kind of the horror unknown because you didn't know you know who the enemy was. When those was. death tentacles were going to oh. come and kill you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, oh tentacles. <laughs> I oh. think another uh, good example of, of that, certainly in creating a sense of fear, not in the horror sense, but definitely in sci-fi, Mamoru Oshii does it in both the Pat Labor movies yeah. and in general. In Pat Labor, you know, in each of the movies, there's this element of fear. In the first one, you have you know all of these robots going crazy, and nobody knows what the hell's going on, so there's kind of this... This feeling that, like, you know, anything can go wrong at any time, especially since there's this bizarre plot that's unfolded by a guy who's already dead. So how do you fight a villain who already committed suicide before ever doing anything? Right. And in part two, there is definitely this whole uh, atmosphere of fear because you have this conflict 
with these, you know, ultra-conservative nationalists who are staging a military coup, and you just have this whole environment of not knowing what's going to happen, and this show-off between, you know, the police and the government versus all of these dissatisfied radicals in the military. And then, of course, in Part 3, which Oshi didn't direct, but it certainly has that, that feel of his, you, you do have the sci-fi horror of this unknown monster that's eating labors and killing people. Yep. And for a long time, you don't even know what the hell it is until they finally reveal that it's uh, an experiment gone horribly wrong. Absolutely. Ooh. I mean, there's really amazing things they can do with it. And, I mean, as, and as technology develops and you know, changes and evolves, there's going to be more and more subject matter. You know, I mean, what's next? I mean, uh, another a great example is Dot Hack. Yeah. You ha- yeah. you plug into the system. You may die. You may die during the course of the game. <laughs> yeah, that took it on. Uh, it took it on a way different level where it was the more creep feel than you know, like a horrified feeling. But just right. knowing that if you went into that game and there's a possibility that there was you know a player killer out there and you might encounter them that you'll get killed. Or, you know, more like end up in a coma. They, they didn't really have people getting... Active. Yeah, that's true. It was, Good, just, yeah. it was just people getting in comas. And, of course, the scariest thing of all is the little four-foot-tall girl with, like, the giant spear. Oh. Re- really like a, 60, like a 60-year-old hairy man in his underwear. Yeah. <laughs> that, too. <laughs> like those guys on uh, To Catch a Predator. <laughs> oh, my God. What about um? That's just I, not right. I never watched. I only watched maybe the first episode. Better Man is also sci-fi horror too, isn't it? Better Man. Better, Better Man. Man. Yeah. yeah, it does have that feeling. I don't know. I don't know if I'd put it completely in there, but it does have kind of a creep factor in it. Can, um, can you guys think of any examples of sci-fi horror that that briefly that appeared in Gundam at all? Just off the top of your head, Gundam. I, <laughs> I, I have I What's have that? feelings of horror. <laughs> I've gotten the feelings of horror watching Destiny. The last yeah, oh. at the Destiny last was half of the episode. Horror show. That was that was a that was a horror show. No, horror you know, you want to know you want to know where the element is of of horror in uh, in Gundam. Where's that? It's the resurrections of Jesus Yamato, who keeps coming back from the dead, and you have this <laughs> zombie guy piloting a robot and flying around, just destroying everything, and he's but he should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Because in Destiny, he was clearly a zombie. Oh, yeah. but Terrible. I can't think of anything in Gundam that would be... It's people versus people. There's really yeah, not much. Really not much. Yeah, I mean, element there. I guess I guess the horror would be what, what man would be capable of. The only thing I could think of would be um, maybe Macross Frontier. At you the can point to Macross a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Frontier, definitely, you know, you have these, these alien things that, uh, you know, kill people. Uh, Macross 7, you have uh, the vampires stalking the city. Mm-hmm. Heck, even, even mm-hmm. the original Macross with xenophobia... As, as something that everybody had to get over. I mean, the way they reveal that the Zentrati are even 50 feet tall, if you knew nothing about, about Macross going into it, when you watch the first episode, you find out with Hikaru that the aliens are gigantic, not like Micronians or, you know, just microns. Beings, microns. Gosh, man, I can't shake Robotech. But you find out that they're <laughs> huge, and then Robotech, you realize I what you're up against. Robotech, I can't quit you. I don't want to quit you. But, um... But yeah, there's, there's minor elements of fear in, in a lot of sci-fi, whether yeah. it be the ignorance or the, the ignorance of something, or even um, the fear of technology and what it's capable of. Right. And um, which is always a good thing to play off of when you when you craft the story. Sure. But, well, thank you. Um, you know, you're welcome, Tom Clancy. You're wel- telling us how to uh, craft <laughs> stories. You're welcome, sir. That's or why Clive I'm Parker, successful. since it's already doing a horror theme. <laughs> yeah. But anything else, Jeff? Or? No, I think that's. I mean. We left that Wicked City, but I mean, you know, Wicked City can kind of be dropped, I think. It's, it's scary as hell. 
<laughs> oh, it's also like like at like borderline hentai. Oh yeah, true. There's like a like a ridiculous sex scene with like demons like every ten minutes. <laughs> well, it starts demons off with that. Sex anime? No, original. You're, you're kidding. No. <laughs> I don't believe it. Man, some of the things I find out on this show. Jeez, my eyes have been open, really. <laughs> so it's next year you're gonna, you're gonna tell me that there's little children who get sucked into wars by piloting giant robots in space. And they're the only ones that can pilot such intricate machinery. How could they force the little kids training. to do that? That's just not right. That's inhuman. Unbelievable. That's child labor. Yeah, what are the laws? That, well, that, I, we, we never discussed that before, did we? That's a whole other The enforcement issue. of child that's a, that's labor a, that's laws. That's a whole other segment. <laughs> the enforcement of child labor laws in the mecha genre. <laughs> 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 Armoro can only pilot for six hours today. He can't do it. <laughs> he hit his limit. He's in the middle of a battle, and his timer comes up, and it just shuts off. It's he a wonder. Drifts off. It's a wonder why social services never showed up on white base. <laughs> well, they did for the brats. Oh, oh, oh. So they they did have them. All right. Well, we just want to thank Jeff here for being along with us here. And if there's any other shows or movies that you guys can think of? Go to the Mecha Talk forum. We'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a gun damn about your personal life. Start talking. Next on Gundam. It's so fast that you really don't get time to get attached to the characters, but, I mean, with the setup that it was... Well, I don't know about that. It was six episodes, so there's enough time to care about those characters. It's not like it was a two-hour... It was not like a a two-hour movie or something, I mean... I've I've seen six-episode OVAs like Video Garage and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where you get really attached to the characters and you barely, you know, you have the same... It's done in the same amount of time, so you're right on that accord. In this, I just wasn't feeling that connection. Um, Then there's my man, Dennis Lone. (laughs) <laughs> or as I like to old salt as, as I like to call him drunk Frank West <laughs> I've covered wars you know do you think the earth has the best culture Chris could quote him verbatim because <laughs> he's just so bad how could you not forget that such a memorable performance and man does he bite it at the right time well you know what it's funny he, he bites it and you're like man after watching it's like god he should have he should have lasted the best, a lot longer the best part is when well, I guess we have a chance to get closer together because he's putting he's he's putting Ishtar in the passenger seat of the plane, and he's about to climb in, and then an the ex- explosion knocks him back and kills him yeah. right at the right time. It's like, well, that's an awesome trade-up. We get rid of some drunken war correspondent, <laughs> and you run up with some hot, nearly naked alien babe. Exactly, exactly. He got astonished. Astonished. Yes. He got astonished. Next episode, you will see the tears of time. Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say!
Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 40. That's right, we made it to middle age. Well, deeper into middle age. But uh, in That's this... the beginning of middle age. Does that really? mean that we have to uh, buy a convertible sports car and look for uh, busty blonde bimbos to spend time with now? I've, yes. already, I've already bought my Bugatti Veyron. I'm ready to go. Not really. But in this episode, we covered two segments. The first segment being Macross Roundup, our second iteration of it. In this Macross Roundup, we talked about the movie version of Super Dimension Fortress Macross, Do You Remember Love? And in addition, we also spoke about the musical OVA of Flashback 2012. In our second segment, we had a special guest from the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Our friend Mitsugi joined us. You can check out their podcast at aaapodcast.com. He joined us in a segment of um, sci-fi and horror and how those two great tastes go great together. (laughs) And we discussed several examples of um, how sci-fi and horror can be effective together. And um, any last uh, words, gentlemen? I love all trolls. Because you guys provide me with hours of entertainment for your stupidity and ignorance. Keep it going, guys. Keep the fires burning. And hopefully by the end of the year, you know, like when you have those top 100 events of 2009, uh, we'll have uh, the top 10 troll wrecks. Hey, there's an idea. Top 10 troll wrecks of 2009. That'll make a great segment. It would be. <laughs> well, you, you get right on that. I will. <laughs> anyway, uh, speaking it. of uh, other podcasts, <clears throat> I was recently a guest on Solar Radio Wave. Episode 5, which I uh, don't know if it'll be out by the time this next episode comes out, so... Uh, it's a you race. Can, yeah. <laughs> you can uh, find them at solarradiowavepodcast.mevio.com. So check it out there. Uh, they have a few episodes up. Funny you mentioned trolls because that was one of the topics that we discussed. Uh, was trolls, trolls on the internet. Go figure. I was just about to ask what you guys talked about, man. I'm already excited. <laughs> yeah, so check it out. Uh, episode 5 of Solar Radio Wave. Did you bring the Straight Talk Express with you? It's still in the shop, but oh. uh, I think I think it was hijacked by uh, some birthers and some tenthers and Darn. teabaggers. Teabaggers. Oh. <laughs> Those guys. They're, so, they're that, such rascals. That just puts, when you say that, it just puts a horrible vision in your head. <laughs> Which is exactly why I said it. There you yeah, go. Thank there you. Touche. Anything else, gentlemen, at all? I'd like to thank God, our creator. There you go. For uh, giving me the ability to do what I do. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd like to uh, thank the Academy for nominating me it's been an honor just to be nominated and uh whoever wins really deserves it not maybe this time next year we'll have our first web emmy we'll see but if anything um you can check these websites out when you have time mahq.net is where the magic happens that's the mecha and anime headquarters and it sucks it's not that bad but uh, also you can check out gundam.net where you can find out show notes and um also see when the uh, latest episodes are going to be posted and place bets <laughs> we should start having a pool oh, over man. under a week and a half. Thank you. <laughs> My confidence just shot through the roof. But um, no, also, <laughs> you can find us on uh, Spill.com, Facebook, MySpace, and we're definitely on um, iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. Also, if, for those Zoom owners, if you have a Zoom, you can find us on Zoom as well. And you can reach us by email by sending us messages at GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And keep up with our tweets at our Twitter website of Twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. Anybody else with any, any last-minute thoughts? Hey, Chris, you're not going to be uh, the one that says M-A-H-Q. Is that still unused? Like you have you have you checked it lately since the last time you tried to do that on Twitter? I uh, haven't, so uh, try to see. 
maybe I should do that before this episode comes out so that some squatter doesn't go and grab it. <laughs> I thought somebody already Too late. Had it. I think someone did. But yeah. um, you never know. Oh, well. Twitter cancels accounts all the time, so keep on the lookout. Anyway, um, you've been listening to Gundam at MAHQ, and we'll see you guys next time. This is no Zaku, boy. No Zaku! <laughs> Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in MHQ production. And as for my American friend, the CIA thinks it can infiltrate the mountain of a Dr. Crud? You can't scare me, you slant-eyed yellow bastard. Take him to Detroit. No! No, not Detroit! No!